I'm Victoria Doherty, and welcome to the cold. Cold is the way revenge is best served, the way a war was fought, and the way a story should be told. And last week in the cold, we talked about where we write. I gave you a tour of my home office, and, and we just sort of pondered how, you know, how a writer, how a creator creates a space where they can build a world and they can build a world that not only is real to them but is real to a reader a place that a reader can smell and taste and and hear and see and really experience with all of their senses and walk into as if it is a room of their own a world of their own that they can also make their own and that brings me I guess to a different way of looking at place, maybe looking at a very specific place as an inspiration, maybe as the glue that brings a story together for us. And it got me to thinking about a place that was very special to me, very instrumental in helping me write my first novel and really helping me learn how to write my first novel and really be that adhesive, that that thing that brought all of my plot elements together, that became an anchor for my characters. The Ossuary at Sedlitz. Well, it's it's called it's more commonly called the Bone Church of Kutnahora, and, and for good reason that I'll get into in a couple of minutes. But um, it is, it's basically a, a church. I mean, it's a relatively plain church from the exterior, at least as far as old world European standards go, you know. It sits about an hour outside of Prague in the Czech Republic. And the last time I was there, which was over 15 years ago now, it was still this sort of dingy mustard color on the outside, sort of like Grey Poupon. <laughs> now, in fairness, most ossuaries are just plain old church basements filled with neatly piled up human bones. So there typically isn't anything out of the ordinary about the actual structure that it's housed in. I mean, there's no like electrically powered grim reaper, you know, standing outside and chuckling this deep <laughs> the way there is at any self-respecting haunted house. In fact, the only feature that advertised that there just might be something more than meets the eye to the bone church of Kutnahora was this skull and crossbones spiked at the top of its spire, which was right where you, you'd usually see a crucifix. Otherwise, the place just sat there like Boris Karloff without makeup. And when I visited, it was on this gloomy October day way back in 2004 and I was dragging my 20 month old son and a prehistoric digital camera with me and you know I thought I would have to muscle my way through a throng of tourists but we were alone there the only sounds we could hear were my own boot heels clicking on the stone tiles as we entered the foyer 
and the wheels of my son's dilapidated McLaren stroller. But then there was the whistle of the fall wind. It's the kind of wind that blows tufts of dead leaves in a swirl, and some of those, this sort of fresh cluster of fiery orange oaks, blew with us into the bone church. And that just seemed so fitting, and it really set the mood. This young man with very pale skin and, and, and black, black hair, he greeted us with this warm smile and crooked teeth. And it should have been eerie, but it was exquisite. A short staircase, which was also stone, led us down into the, into the chamber where an enormous chandelier lorded over the place. It was fashioned entirely of human bone, utilizing every bone in the human body. And, you know, the young man told us all of this in this hushed, churchy voice. The skulls would have held candles, I guess, but the chandelier was unlit. In fact, the only light in the bone church came from outside through a few kidney-shaped Gothic windows. There were urns made primarily of femurs. A bone coat of arms belonging to the Schwarzenberg family, which is this sort of big aristocratic royal-ish family uh, in Eastern Europe. There was this endless garland, you know, it was like skull, vertebrae, vertebrae, kneecap, skull, tibia, skull, tibia, was <laughs> strung loosely along the trim like it was Christmas. And several pyramids constructed of bones, ones that sat in these iron barred enclaves, they sat there like slayed prisoners, and it seemed so medieval. My son and I stood there absorbing the sheer magnitude of death around us. These people who died of the flu, of arsenic poisoning or smallpox. I'm sure some had had swords thrust in their, into their rib cages, or it died of something simple like a heart attack. Maybe a mallet to the temple, maybe infection, maybe childbirth, maybe trampling, or maybe just a broken heart. The bones of some 30,000 Christians decorated this, this stark, chapel-like holy chamber. These were probably prominent and presumably pious Christians who'd been promised burial in the Church of All Saints Cemetery, which is right next door, but due to a string of plagues and wars, they'd found themselves without a place to land after they blew their last breath. It occurred to me how this strange and permanent installation of sacred art, some called it the devil's art, was actually a really clever solution to this very sensitive dilemma. I mean, church teachings at the time forbade cremation, so what were you supposed to do with these people? 
and the poor souls who had counted on burial in the Church of All Saints Holy Cemetery had paid considerable tithes to earn their way into some kind of dignified and hopefully noble entombment. And what could be more noble than that? What could be more noble than the care and inspired vision required to create this communal yet deeply personal way to honor the departed? I mean, to me, it was the ultimate expression of both grief and hope. I remember my son at that time. I mean, he was my first and most tender reminder of my own mortality. You know, he he humored me long enough and was starting to get restless and hungry. So I just snapped a couple of pictures. I think I took a little video and, and then we left. But that place just stuck in my craw. I mean, I could not get it out of my mind. And it started making its way into the story I'd begun writing. In fact, it did become the anchor to that story, so much so that that historical thriller earned the title The Bone Church. It became the lens through which my characters could make sense of what was happening to them. It became a metaphor for the war, both the hot war, World War II, that I was writing about, and the Cold War that ensued. And that's really what we're looking for. I think as storytellers, we're looking for that, that place or that person or that parable that helps our stories come to life, that helps them be more than just a plot, a mystery to solve, that really makes its way into the hearts of our readers, and that has them thinking about what we've written long after They've closed the book and finished the last words that we've written. Thank you for coming into the cold. And if you are enjoying your visit here, um, I ask you to please follow and leave a starred review on the platform of your choice. That's always helpful to anyone, a writer or a podcaster. Reviews are not just um, what help us know if we're doing something right or wrong, but they also help other readers and listeners discover their next great adventure. So thank you and see you next time.